Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Davis Cup special, brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. Italy win the Davis Cup for the first time in 47 years. Australia finish runners-up again. And we look at the BJK Cup qualifier draw for 2024. Kim, today is the 26th of November and we are here to catch up on the Davis Cup final live from Malaga. Italy are your champions, their first title since 1976, 47 years of hurt, but they got it done today. Yannick Sinner leading the charge against Australia. They came out victors 2-0. We didn't go to a decisive doubles and Italy are your champions. I mean, what... What do you make of that? Well, you've just said 47 years of hurt, which has immediately given me three lions in my head, Joel. (laughs) So thanks very much. That's Um, a long time for Italy, which I would consider like a, almost like a powerhouse team in tennis. Um, Yeah, I was surprised at that. Yeah, and their first final since 98. Very surprising statistic, Mm. given that they've, you know, have always had quite a good depth in men's tennis. And, you know, it's such a... um, uh, yeah, just a, such a way of life out there, isn't it? And they get a lot more people into the game than we do typically in, in the UK. Um, but yeah, fantastic scenes, uh, you know, joyous, joyous occasion for Italian tennis. You know, that long wait is over and they have lifted the title once again. And once again, it was the Yannick Sinner show for for the third time in the space of a week. You know, really solidly getting the job done. And just giving the team that confidence, you know, I think everyone felt that that rubber was was guaranteed to be in, you know, Italy's favour. And it was really a, a case of what was going to happen in rubber one. And, and it could have gone the other way, couldn't it, Joel? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, Popperin versus Arnaldi. I mean, Arnaldi came in because it was Massetti in the semi-final. Um, he couldn't deliver. So we went back to Arnaldi, who fell just short um, against Bottic van der Zanschulp, um in, in their first tie here. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was very, it was very tight, wasn't it? I think Popperin will be disappointed. I mean, Leighton Hewitt in, in press afterwards said it was a match that could have gone either way and when you look at some of the you know some of the stats I mean Popperin particularly in that third set the number of break point opportunities that he had that he didn't convert I mean he'll be really you know ruining that because he was in a prime position I think to put Australia 1-0 up in the tie and you know almost from that point of view it would have been mission complete you know get it into that doubles where they would have felt confident they would have felt like the favourites but Arnaldi, despite that second set blip, just he seized his moment when he should have, when Popperin really didn't. Yeah, Popperin had eight break points in that third set. He was uh, getting break point opportunities in, I think, about four of Arnaldi's I mean, he was service the better games. Player. 
He was overall, but I felt that on those opportunities, you know, either Arnaldi did come up with something big to save mm. uh, the opportunity or Popperin was just very tentative. I don't think he went for his shots enough. I think he was like scared to kind of make an error, whereas Arnaldi did just like go for things a bit more. Um, and obviously in tennis, it's about when when you win the points, you have to win those those crucial points. And we've seen it so many times where players just aren't able to capitalise and they end up losing because they they're not winning the points when it when it matters the most and that's the the kind of joy of the the and the uniqueness of the the scoring system that we have in tennis um i was thinking it was going to be when when popperin kind of quickly went up in that second set and took it i thought oh we're we getting a repeat of the Massetti kekmanovic match from yesterday but give to give arnaldi credit where it's due he did he made sure that that you know the match didn't run away from him and he he hung in there got his chance at the very end and fair play to him because he's been he's been a, a bit of a little star for Italy as well I think um you know over the course of the week yeah I mean he's had a great um he's had a great season uh, you know he had a really good US Open where he got to the got to the fourth round I think predominantly this season he has been playing on the challenger circuit racking up the the victories but in this competition I think it was just fascinating to see you know these are two relatively you know, young players and you know on the on the tour so thrusting them into a Davis Cup final what was that going to do you know relatively inexperienced it was fascinating to see how and if they were going to be able to handle their nerves because you know that Kim that first set it was it was a little bit errorstrain wasn't it the rallies were there weren't many extended rallies it normally ended on an error and you just felt like both players were understandably so i think feeling the occasion and uh, you know to me the more that match went on it felt more and more like the person who handles their nerves the best is going to go on and win this yeah I think that's what we saw the first set was not great quality and and both of these players have very similar ranking you know Popperin's at 40 in the world at the moment Arnaldi at 44 so you know they're basically at the same sort of I guess um time and place in in their career so it really you know it was down to very fine margins you know and that's what made it a very I guess uh competitive match but you know we've seen competitive matches where both players are bringing you know really high quality and we weren't getting that but it was competitive in it the was sense still entertaining but it was just very it, yeah. kind of like it was very seesaw and very topsy-turvy mm. and uh it did kind of go you know one way and then the other and I was a little bit surprised actually Arnaldi was able to, to kind of pull it out the bag such was I feel you know the dominance at times from from Popper and he was just really knocking the on the door but as you say he didn't play the big points well mm. enough and that ultimately that ultimately cost him that's what defines champions isn't it you know yes it's not just the big points you've got to play all the other points well but it's 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 those crucial matters that um crucial moments that matter sorry and i think um as a fan you know it was exciting because i genuinely didn't know who was going to win uh, so it mm. really was up in the air and i think that that sort of sense of excitement was was great and it was the the great sort of i guess i guess appetizer before the sinner de Menor match but really i think this match was the in a way that the star of the day um because the sinner de Menor match was was pretty that was a procession really i mean it was a yeah, form it was a formality and i think set. you know in hindsight it just showed the the significance i think of the you know of of the first rubber because you know from Popperin's point of view he's thinking if I win this I take it to a decisive doubles where my team of Ebden and Purcell 
probably are going into that as favourites. Whereas Alnaldi's thinking, well, Yannick Sinner's in the form of his life. If I can get the victory here, then we can stop it going to that decisive doubles and get this wrapped up in in you know in in the singles. So it was not just, I think, the the occasion um, of of playing in a in a Davis Cup final in that first position. But I also think kind of the the context and the makeup of of each team also brought its own pressure on each on each of the players. Yeah, and I think uh, what was really interesting in the press with the Australian team after the match is, you know, Matthew Ebden was talking about how if it had gone to the doubles, you know, obviously him and, and Purcell would have been in and they genuinely felt that they, you know, had such a shot at that and, you know, would have been perhaps the likely <laughs> were, winners. It, I mean, they were they were saying they were really confident, but kind of reading in between the lines, they were like, <laughs> we would have, it was like, we would have won that. Yeah, because they said, oh, we were one point away from, you know, getting to the doubles and perhaps the title. Mm. That, that was kind of the vibe we were getting. And yes, you could say that Popperin, yeah, was, was one point away from getting that that break against Arnaldi, but there's no guarantee if he had broken that he would have then gone on to win the match. You know, he might have choked, like serving it out. So I thought that maybe, you know, there's slightly more to it than just saying, you know, we're one point away from getting to the doubles. But um, I, I think they wanted to believe that it could have been very different, um, obviously, if it had gone you know, a few points here and there, which which is the case. And I think it would have been interesting to see what would happen in that, that final doubles I had thought it was going to get that. I had thought Popperin was going to, you know, win that first rubber, but that's not what we got. And I mean, it finished, you know, even with two singles matches, it still finished like local time around, what was it, 8, 8.30. Mm. Still a long old day. Still no um, churros for us. Still no churros for us. We we have actually failed to have churros. I'm blaming <laughs> Novak Djokovic for that. Um, thanks, Novak. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it had gone the distance... Would have been a very late night for everyone at the mm. uh, the stadium, but uh, here we are. We're still recording at midnight. Such is the life uh, working at a tennis event. Yeah, and I mean the 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 even though the kind of that first match did go, it did go the distance and it did go long. In kind of complete contrast, that Dumanor Sinner match, uh, you know, the the second singles rubber, it really was a demolition job, wasn't it? I mean, what three in love in 81 minutes you can see why Sinner's head-to-head record against De Menor is so overwhelming and, and one-sided because I think you know throughout you know this week and particularly I think with this match we saw two players who I think are both known for their their movement um you know ar- around the court and I almost think that equalized out um in in this it equalizes out, I think, in a matchup like this. And as a result, it's more on, you know, once you arrive at the ball, what can you do with it? And I think it just shows that Yannick Sinner knows, you know, what he needs to do a lot more, I think, with the ball. And what he can technically, I think, do with the ball is just a step and a level above what Dumanor at the moment, I think, is capable of. Yeah, I think on every level Sinner was the better player and, and is the better player at this stage in, in the career. I think Alex de Menor, for me, is, is just lacking that extra He's know, not top 10 something. at the moment. He's knocking on the door of, mm. I think, being in a, a you know in a top 10 space. I mean, he's at his, what, career high ranking at the moment. I think he's just outside at 12. At, at, at at 12, the yeah. But there is, it's almost like when he plays Yannick Sinner, it's like, well, if you want to go higher up, you need, you're going to need to find another gear um, because it just felt like whenever they got into kind of extended rallies from the baseline, it was more often than not that some you know incredible shot making from Sinner that 
was the difference throughout the match. Yeah, and I mean, Sinner has never lost to Alex de Menor. They have, uh, you know, it's a very one-sided head-to-head, but I think this was the most uh, one-sided of the score lines in, in their matches. And, you know, obviously, I think that's testament to how well Sinner's been playing in recent weeks and months. And by the time, you know, he'd gone a set up, I think he just, you know... He was playing with full confidence, you know, closing it out for Italy, just inspired. They've got the, the massive crowd behind him. It's, a, you know, a historic occasion. And I mean, I, I don't blame Alex Menor. He he kept on trying. He kept on fighting. You know, he started out the match like really buoyed up and, you know, jumping um, up and facing his, his team and his box, you know, um, after every point that he won. Really energised, bit of a, you know, a bunny on the court. But Obviously, as as the match went on, you know he was winning less and less, and it, it did. You know, start the game was up. Ever <laughs> away from up. him, I don't even know if the game really got going when you know when Yannick mm. Sinner is playing this good of tennis. Te- you know, probably some of the best tennis in in his career so far. A real kind of purple patch. It just felt like De Menor was kind of powerless to to stem the flow, really. And say so that second set just just passed him by so so quickly and. You know, for someone almost like in the, you know, this is like trying to make their final stand for their team, you know, in this position. It's kind of a, a do or die moment. De Menor just kind of succumbed, I feel, to the, you know, the pressure and the, the brilliance that Yannick Sinner was putting on the tennis court. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, hard to blame him, really. But I just, I think it probably got a bit much you know you thought I've never beaten this guy I've just I've got you know it's all it's all against me and you know unfortunately like like what Djokovic said you know the other day in press you know there are certain things that you know you've got to just applaud your opponent they're they're just doing better on the day they're playing better tennis than you and you know at the end of the day it it comes down to that and you know I think he's just got to Alex Monor's just got to find that next level because he's he's a very consistent player great mover but when it comes up against you know the top three four players in the world he needs weapons he needs that big yeah that big weapon he needs weapons and I think we've seen this week with Yannick Sinner his forehand particularly the the weight of it from the baseline it's just it's just it's just right up there it's it's Mm. can be kind of so destructive at times but you know Alex Dimonor unfortunately at the moment it doesn't feel like he has he has that in his arsenal and that that is what is holding him back. I think, you know, that's not a, I don't think that's a new observation. I think we've, we've known that. I think we've seen that over this season, you know, he's had a great season, but yeah, there's certainly things I think that he can build on if he wants to go even higher up the rankings. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Italy, two rubbers to, to nil today, winning their first Davis cup in 47 years. They were, you know, it was emotional scenes, a nice little, obviously ceremony, um, after thought Matteo Berrettini at one point was going to stand up on that podium <laughs> yes. trying to lift that t- that trophy as well because he's been here all week supporting. Oh no, we walked past it. We walked past him outside catering, didn't we? And uh, mm. yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was interesting. I was wondering because I don't know if our listeners know, but there's a there's an English footballer called John Terry who uh, kind of celebrated uh, like uh, you know, playing for Chelsea, uh, winning the Champions League, even though he was like completely injured and didn't play any sort of part in the final. And I sort of wondered if Berrettini was going to go like down the same route in terms of, uh, you know, Italy winning. I'm getting involved. I want a piece of the, I want a piece of the action. But uh, yeah, he sort of, he sort of stepped aside, didn't he? Yeah, for the official bit, he uh, was was not involved. <laughs> so he didn't break any rules. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be 
eager to get involved in in a Davis Cup winning side next year. And and you'd have to think, like that's Italy are even scarier if you've got Sinner and Berrettini. You know, your your second singles is is kind of a bit more sorted if you've got Berrettini in your corner, you know, rather than the, do I play Arnaudi, Massetti, Sonago? If Matteo Berrettini is fit and healthy and, and firing on all cylinders, then Italy become an even stronger prospect, don't they, Joel, going forwards? Absolutely. I mean, it was interesting to read, um, you know, over the last few days, Italian press were getting on Yannick Sinner's case, actually, for not playing any of the uh, the group stage. And it was all, you know, it was all smiles in the in the native language uh, press conference at the end. But um, it just shows, I think, that the nation, the nation expects, the nation expects you to play. If you are fit, it's during the season, no injury concerns, they're expecting you to be there. And uh, it was quite a massive contrast, really, from those headlines, I think, we saw in Italian domestic papers compared to, I say, the scenes now where it just feel like Yannick Sinner is just kind of leading. He's like the he's like leading this new generation. It was, it was quite funny in, in press how he spoke about Cyber Bellelli as kind of like the the old the old man in the team. He's been around for kind of fifteen years on on the Davis Cup circuit. But they do have that sort of blend, I think, between they've got experience in the team, but they've also got these young up and coming players as well. And I think they can really kind of look towards and perhaps create a legacy, which is not an easy thing to do in Davis Cup, is it? Because you look at the past champions, I think there's been 10 different champions in the last decade, in the last 10 years. So it just shows getting consistency, that is not an easy thing to achieve. No, and I I do see them winning more titles and, you know, that will be their aim. And I hope Sinner continues to play Davis Cup. I, I can understand why he may not have played the the group stage. You know, that was very soon after the US Open. And obviously it's full credit to the rest of the team for getting Italy through that section to in order for Sinner to shine here. It's very much a team effort. It's, you know, think about all of the ties they've played this whole year and not just in this week. But I think also what's interesting is what Sinner does with the Davis Cup in relation to his personal, you know, his career outside of the team game, because obviously for 90% of the year, these players are playing for themselves rather than as a team, but, you know, for their country. And um, we have seen in the past that, you know, a lot of players, they win the Davis Cup and it really spurs them on in the, in the rest of their career to kind of achieve great things. And actually, Sinner was asked about that in, in the press conference. So let's let's hear what he had to say about it. Let's see. I mean, this is um, this is something different, something really special um, because you don't play for for yourself, but you play for the whole team. Um, I think every one of us we were really excited to be part of this. Um, I have to thank all the all the team to to come through in uh, in Bologna, uh, where I was not be I was not able to play there. Um, they had some very tough and difficult time there. Um, they stand, uh, stand up for for this, and um, I came here with confidence. You no, know, and throughout the whole the whole month I played, um, coming from Turin, uh, I gave my I gave 100% all all what I had, and I think the whole team they pushed everyone of each other, and, and this is maybe our key why why we are standing here with with this trophy. 
It was interesting to hear that because when I when I heard the you know that question being asked, I instantly thought about when Andy Murray won the Olympics and you beat Roger Federer in you know at Wimbledon, won a gold medal, and it was almost like that was that was the blocker being unblocked for him to go on and win uh, you know a, a Grand Slam singles title, uh, which he did at the U.S. Open you know, later on in that year. Did I get that same feeling from Yannick Sinner? I don't, I don't feel like I necessarily did. I think he was saying kind of like, I, you know, this is a great moment. Um, this is a great achievement. But it almost felt like he thinks this is this is too different, that it's not maybe necessarily going to spur me on in my own career. Yes, it's a, it's a feel-good moment right now, but will it help me win the Australian Open Grand Slam title I'm, you know, I'm not so sure. Maybe, obviously, you know, the the confidence defeating Novak Djokovic, you know, twice in, uh, you know, twice in a day um, will help. But um, yeah, I I feel like he was a little bit more kind of subdued in terms of, right, blocker has been unblocked. I'm now going to go on and win my first ever Grand Slam title. Well, he won four sets against Djokovic uh, mm. on Saturday. That's what he needs to do in a Grand Slam. You know, he needs to be able to beat Djokovic over five sets. He hasn't done that yet. And so you know, that's the kind of next thing to tick off the list, isn't it? And and to get the Grand Slam. And it's a very different format in Davis Cup, you know. And obviously, Leighton Hewitt's spoken about um, the, the format of Davis Cup. And, you know, we used to have five set matches in, in Davis Cup. So... What it takes to win this is, is is different to I think back in the day with Davis Cup and and with the Olympics, which I guess um, plays a bit more like a conventional tournament, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think it's interesting parallels. I know Djokovic spoke as well about how influential the 2010 win for Serbia was. So we'll have to see. But I do think, yeah, it seems like Yannick Sinner is putting a slightly different perspective on it. But he's so young as well; he hasn't had those kind of. I guess as many disappointing finals like Andy Murray had, you know, prior to to kind of getting over the line. So I think slightly different circumstances. We've heard from him throughout the week, him talk about looking over to his team, his compatriots, and that being a, a source of energy and, and a source of inspiration. That's not going to be there, you know, on the on the ATP tour when he's he's looking over, looking you know, looking over you know to to the left of him. Is is it doesn't it doesn't work like that? So mm. maybe he just feels like they're just kind of two different beasts. And yes, it's a feel good moment, but is it going to help me? You know, when I'm all alone on the court on the ATP tour, maybe not so much. Yeah, I mean, what did you make of, um, you know, obviously, like the players have their team captains in their corner and, you know, the team captains really do a, a a great job of selecting the players, you know, motivating them. And I think also in the, in the press conferences, they're sort of there to, to take the, the flack and to also support players like off the court as well. And what did you make of, um, I mean, just the whole... The whole event, really, um, you know, the, the crowd and the production, the show that Malaga put on. I mean, I really enjoyed the experience. I think it's come a long way since what we saw in Madrid in the first rendition of of this kind of new Davis Cup era. And I think Malaga have put on a really, really good show for the fans. I think they've made it exciting to be in the arena. Um, obviously, all the... All the kind of traveling fans and the supporter groups is made it f- has it has to me felt like you know you've got the home and home fans and the crowds but you know do you still want to see a return to the the old school days of, of davis cup joel what, what's your personal opinion what, what would you pick do you think we should stick with what we've got 
I think if if you were here this this week, I think you could have been won over by mm. this format. I think you know we've had more or less completely full crowds. Atmosphere has been great. We've had I think moments where, for example, today it was a very pro Italian crowd. It did in that regard feel like a you know a home and away tie. Finland Australia as well. There were loads of Finns in the crowd, and it felt like a home and away tie. I think it's it's still very kind of I think you're either in one camp or the other but I think the more this format goes on and hopefully the more big players still kind of play in it because I do think having Djokovic here having Sinner here and actually having that matchup did add more significance and gravitas to the event I think the more it goes on in this in this format I think it's going to win more people over and I think you know nothing's going to change next year and if the event next year is as fantastic, I think, as as this event has been this year in, in 2023, then, you know, it might, you know, it might think, well, hang on, do do we need, do we need to change? Because, you know, it is, I think, if you look at this year, I think you have to say it has been a success. There's been no Spain, there's been no USA. Some of the big nations not been here. Does that, has that mattered? No. And I think you, you have to look at the format as as one of the reasons that, you know, it has, you know, has been able to thrive, whether you like it or not. Well, one person that is not so keen on it is Leighton Hewitt. And he was asked about this in the press conference. So let's see what Leighton Hewitt had to say about it. Oh, well, it's been a great week in terms of our performance and we gave ourselves an opportunity. Um, yeah, Malaga's put on a, a great event in terms of... Uh, what they can do with the format that they've got. You know, <laughs> the hands are tied. It's, there's no home and away and there's no five sets. So it's not ideal. And we're playing on a surface that, you know, I'm, I'm really sick of playing on, to be honest. You know, that's not what Davis Cup's about. It's playing on clay, grass, uh, outdoor elements. You know, there's a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, it's uh, obviously pretty frustrating. I think that we don't get all the different the different surfaces and and uh, conditions throughout Davis Cup anymore, and especially in the big matches as well. I swear, everyone <laughs> loves to talk to Leighton Hewitt um, about uh, the format because he's such a diehard. I want it to go back to to kind of home and away ties. But it was quite interesting here because he kind of extended beyond that and spoke about how he's sick of indoor court surface he wants it it almost kind of feels like he wants it changed you know he likes you know with home and away a lot more variables you know being outside as well and uh yeah i don't i don't know i think it's tricky because you know this this time of year the end of the year in november you just naturally think this is when you would have you know indoor courts and it's just that's the fabric of 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 kind of in team kind of competitions but I don't know. I'm. I'm. I was a little bit kind of like, you can't. I don't know if you you can have absolutely everything, but um, to me, I think indoor works perfectly fine. I think just because this time of the season we're playing on indoor hard courts, it, it makes sense. You know, players wouldn't really want to go and suddenly switch to outdoor clay in the middle of November. And I just think I get what he's trying to say, but would would his team have fared any better? You know, on a clay court in Chile for example you know as a you know random random example I don't know would, would he have said that if, if Australia had got the win today I'm not sure I know he's obviously expressed 
concerns in the past, but um, and I wouldn't expect him to just be one round, even though you know Malaga have put on a great event. I, I was desperate to ask him uh, if, if Australia had won. I was going. I would have loved to have asked him. Would you swap in? Uh, you know, would you swap your Davis Cup? trophy for being able to change the format to home and away because he has been Ooh. such a because he has been such a kind of staunch um mm. um admirer of of you know going up going old school and i want to see if he would yeah kind of put his money where his mouth is maybe maybe yeah i thought you were going to say you were going to ask him um who selected the the music for uh oh god are we going on about yes that was so cringe wasn't it we had <laughs> we had just had this epic battle um they'd got through the final they come through the group stages and they come out to land down under again by uh what men at work colin hay it's just like oh it's just a bit it was just a bit i don't know just felt a bit <laughs> just felt a bit comical yeah, I think that choice of music was great for them walking on before their matches, but not as a runners-up. Uh, no, <laughs> runners-up song. Um, maybe I did. I did like a bit of Kylie there. One of the change of ends. Thought that was quite nice. Um, I think <laughs> I, you've I mean, got no, you can't beat, You missed it. I swear you can't beat the Italian national anthem. I swear, whenever I hear that, uh, whatever sporting context, it's just. It's just mm. so rousing, isn't it? It's just like yeah, it's great. It's just, yeah, it just gets it just gets everyone passionate and and ready to go, which I feel is just kind of it's just what you need, I think, from a national anthem. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of that that anthem as well. Uh, it was, gives me um, yeah Formula One sort of vibes. I just mm. imagine a you know Ferrari <laughs> on the podium. Sort of I thing. will say, Kim, I did notice as well when they did do the uh, the ceremony afterwards. Although I think I did think the DJ got it wrong with with the the walk on music for Australia for that ceremony. I mean, I also didn't understand they played Queen "Don't Stop Me Now" um, when the the champions lifted the trophy or lifted part of like one eighth of the trophy anyway. Why didn't they just play "We Are the Champions"? Was that was that not was that not on the list? That felt like the most obvious Queen song to go for. Well, quite maybe they wanted to sort of. Um throw yeah, a curveball in there break tradition yeah or just just annoy <laughs> you joel um but right anyway uh i know how much you love your your music especially your your 90s uh music you've been playing a lot of robbie williams in the apartment um this week i'm not gonna lie i am a little bit partial to some robbie williams maybe it's because of that new netflix uh, documentary that um is is coming out but what have you made of the all overall what have you made of the the dj the dj tracks that have been played Oh great, yeah. No, I've I've enjoyed them. They played a bit of Eurovision the other day, a bit of the Finnish cha 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 second place <laughs> Eurovision song, which I thought it was feels great. Feels like we've had a lot of Eurovision. Uh, what this this week? Or I just, think just, gen- just the just one generally. song. Yeah, well, it's junior junior Eurovision oh, that I happened see. today. Okay. I was following that uh, the, the the sort of uh, <laughs> results as that happened. Uh, anyone who listens regularly knows I'm a big Eurovision fan, so. I shall be catching up on that tomorrow. Uh, but this isn't uh, what people are here for to talk about Eurovision. So I think, Joel, we should take a quick break now. But um, listeners, do join us in the second half where we'll be discussing next year's Davis Cup qualifiers for the group stages and also next year's Billie Jean King Cup qualifiers for Seville. Uh, and also, breaking news, very exciting, that Raf Nadal will be allowed to play the Olympics without Davis Cup participation. So do not go anywhere. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with UTS. 
And Tennis Weekly is proud to be the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final in London. UTS is the world's newest, most exciting, innovative tennis league, playing an entirely reinvented game format that does away with traditional tennis rules. And the UTS Grand Final is coming to London's Excel Arena from the 15th to the 17th of December. The Grand Final features the players who have won the UTS events from around the globe, guaranteeing the best of the best will be competing for the title in London. Already confirmed a top player such as Andre Rublev, Gael the Month Monfils, Casper the Iceman Rude, with more players to be announced, including a local wildcard. So if you are looking for the ultimate day out in London in the run up to Christmas, then secure your tickets to the UTS Grand Final now. Session passes start from £31 and day passes from just £51 for a guaranteed six matches. Go to www.uts.live for more information or use the link in the description to purchase your tickets now. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. Now we're going to move on to look ahead to the 2024 uh, Davis Cup season. You know, we have literally just pulled a wrap on the 2023 edition, but we can already look forward to 2024 because they did do the draws for the qualifiers um, earlier on today at, at, at the venue at Malaga. So we have got, Joel... Uh, the weekend of the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of February, earmarked for the qualifiers. We've got 24 teams playing. Mm. And GB 12. aren't one of them. GB are not playing because we have a wild card to mm. go through to the group stages, which are played in September. Um, Rumours are that that's because we are perhaps likely to host one of those events yeah. again. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would expect that is the case because we you know, we played Colombia last year um, to get through and then, uh, you know, Manchester held the group stage. So I presume because we've got a wild card, yeah, we're going to have another venue to choose. I mean, if that is the case, where, where would you, where would you like to see it? We were in Manchester this year. Where, where do you think they might go next? Well, I don't think London, I think they'll keep it sort of out of London. So mm. maybe Glasgow, you know, we, we know that Glasgow okay. can put on a, a decent tennis event maybe Birmingham Liverpool yeah, yeah. Liverpool Cardiff, had Eurovision Cardiff. I feel like we don't we don't have really explored kind of Wales yet so maybe maybe Cardiff could be an option oh Cardiff would be good I've been meaning to go there for a while so mm. um two birds with one stone but yeah we do have GB and also Spain um were given the other wild card um so they will both go through to the September group stages uh, as will Italy and Australia they they're also uh, in that stage as well already so we've got um yeah 12 teams 12 more places uh, up for grabs in these original uh, qualifiers in, in February are there any particular ties that sort of st- stick out to you Joel in, in the mind looking at the yeah the I mean I, I mean Oh, it's tough. I mean, Netherlands, Switzerland, that, that sounds could be quite interesting mm. or, or Germany, Hungary. I mean, USA, Ukraine is interesting because I think Ukraine would be the home team, but I don't think obviously they would be able to play in Ukraine. So I'd be interested to see what location um, is, is delivered for that. But um, yeah, I, I, those are where kind of my my minds kind of were initially going to. It doesn't feel like there's too many kind of ties. I'm like, oh, that's a genuine 50-50 I feel like there feels like a clear favorite in a lot of the in a lot of the the ties that I can see being played. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think I think the ones you've mentioned are the kind of standouts for me. I think Netherlands, Switzerland might be the kind of closest closest of the two. Of, I mean, of Finland, the Portugal. I'm I'm curious to see because Finland obviously have, have made such a great impact on Davis Cup this season. I just hope they can go and continue it. And it's nice. I think they've got a they've got a home tie um, against Portugal. So um, yeah, I'd love to see them kind of continue continue where they've left off this season as well. Mm. Yeah, it'd be great to see them go on another run and, and get to those group stages and, you know, who knows, get through to this this finals as well. Um, we've also had the Billie Jean King Cup qualifiers also being announced. So these are for the qualifiers that were taking place in April. It's the weekend of the 12th to the 13th of April. So, you know, put it in your diaries now. Uh, GB have uh, been drawn away against France. So once again, we get France oh, no. in That's a the shocking qualifiers. draw. That's a total nightmare of a draw, I, I feel, for GB. I mean, if we couldn't beat them at home, I think it's going to be a very tall order um, away as well. Assuming Caroline Garcia gets back from her trip uh, from the Antar- from Antarctica. Oh, you mean she's not going to get stuck there <laughs> and sort of live with the penguins or something? Um, yeah, assuming it's, uh, yeah, she, she's back and, you know, uh, what, do you think that'll be on the clay? Because we'll be going into clay season. Do you think, think they'll have that on yeah, the clay in France? It's going to be, it's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be on mm. indoor hard court like it was in, uh, in Coventry. In Coventry, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, it, I think that's going to be a very tall order. Um, I mean, you never know. We'll see kind of how things develop, you know, injuries, you know, it's a busy schedule. It's a busy time of year. Some players may not make themselves available, but GB definitely, I think, have a lot of work to do. I think even just to make possibly make that, um, you know, competitive, I think they're going to need a full strength team and maybe a little bit of luck on their side as well. Yeah. I mean, are there any other matches that, that draw your eye from the the uh, the eight ties that have been uh, drawn I mean, today? I mean, if I'm a Swiss fan, I, I, I wouldn't... I don't like the look of my draw if uh, if Iga Swiatek decides to play because they've got Poland, um, so I think that could be that could be quite tricky. I mean USA Belgium. I mean I never know what singles players USA would kind of uh, make themselves available, but um, you'd think they've got enough resources there to get the job done against uh, to, against Belgium. Um, yeah, I, I think those those for me. Let's say I think it's it's interesting because it it's obviously it goes straight into um, Seville um, for the uh, for the finals. So um, yeah, plenty at plenty at stake there. Yeah. So Spain, uh, Czech Republic, Canada, and Italy are straight through to the finals in November. Uh, Czech Republic with a wild card. I think Spain uh, because they're the host city for the finals. And then Canada and Italy, because they are this year's finalists. Obviously, Canada will be defending champions. So it's interesting that they get straight through to the finals. But obviously, in the Davis Cup, the wild cards only go through to kind of the I mean, where do you stand on wild cards straight through to the final? Is that is that do you feel like that's fair? Do you feel like that's warranted? Do you like to see it or do you think it should be a bit more, you know, you got you got to you got to start with everyone else? (sighs) Yeah, I don't know, really. I, I get. You know, last year's champions uh, going through, perhaps last year's finalists as well. In a way, I get the host nation as well. Um, but then if it's always going to be in Seville, then it's giving, the, you know, the host nation a, a benefit, you know, every year. I think in that case, it should move around every single year if you're going to do that as a prerequisite for a, for a wild card. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not completely sold on the idea of the wild cards. I think it's, you know, it's a 
it's a bit random, I suppose, but that's the nature of it, isn't it? Um, and you have wild cards for Grand Slams, you know, and I. So why not a wild card for the team tournaments? I suppose it's no different. Well, in, in I principle. mean, I would, I would say, do you, do you get wild cards in the World Cup of of other sports? Um, well, that's true. You don't, do you? No, you don't get that. I mean, for you the get it. You get it if you're the host. Cup. So I can I can understand it from that point of view. But uh, you know, I, I would say if you if you're going to be living by the the letter of the law of being of being a, a world cup of tennis um yeah should there be should there be wild cards to go straight through to the to the to the finals um i'm i'm not so sure to be honest well some people uh, may agree with you and some people have um heard some news today about the olympics that and i think some fans are not agreeing with this either uh, that that's the news that rafa and carlos alcaraz will both be able to play at the Olympics for Spain without having to have played Davis Cup, which is normally a, you know, prerequisite. Um, so they're sort of getting a special exemption. I think also um, is Andy Murray for, for you know, GB also given the same, yeah, same I think, exception? I think, yeah, details, I think, are just sort of coming out at the moment. Emerging, I think it was reported, yeah, yeah in, mm. in Marca, which is a, a Spanish newspaper. But I, effectively, Alcaraz and Nadal have not played Davis Cup this year and they need to do that in order to play olympics next year so it sounds like the the workings are going on in order to give nadal and alcaraz that opportunity to go back to you know to go back to paris to roland garros to to have a crack at a gold medal i mean i feel like with rafa i feel like you you're gonna want to give him special dispensation in terms of if this is going to be his last season, you want to give him as many opportunities as possible. I feel like personally, he's he's earned it. He's been injured this season. He's not been. He's not had that chance. I think to, you know, to play. And if he's able to prove that, which you know, which should be a formality, really, I don't see why he shouldn't be allowed to play the the Olympic Games. And I think maybe with Carlos Alcaraz, it's a little bit of a, a different equation because. You know, he has been active on the tour this year and, and maybe there are a bit more questions in terms of, hang on, he could have played this year. It wasn't it wasn't like um, you know, he was injured like Rafa. Having said that, though, I can see why maybe Alcaraz is a little bit more kind of on the on the edge um, in terms of like, well, hang on, why why should he be able to to pass his spate in the Olympics? Yeah, I no, I get, I get that, and I mean, whether Rafa actually ends up playing or not, I don't know because it really depends on his body, and obviously he'll be trying to be his last opportunity to. But we have seen uh, a couple of Olympics in the past where he just, you know, hasn't been able to. So that's a long way off. Uh, but yeah, we'll get more news on that as it emerges. That pretty much much brings us to a close, Joel, for our our trip to Malaga for the Davis Cup this year. It's been it's been fantastic. Um, Obviously, we're really sad that we weren't able to be joined by Chris, who's still um, unwell at home. So sending him lots of lots of love from the pod. Um, one thing that Chris has taught us to do mm. uh, when we come away. I've is always to enjoyed do our, doing this when we when we've gone yeah, away. It's our peaks, pits, and pleasant surprises. So what was good? What was bad? What was a you know surprising moment? <laughs> uh, so I feel like to honour Chris, we should we should have a crack at this before we we sign off for the mm. night. Uh, so, Joel, what was your peak moment from Davis Cup 2023? Like, I could go for a really, really, really obvious answer. Um, but I'm going to go... 
going to go with some, some very unique experiences. Native language press conferences. I find them so fascinating because I have absolutely no idea what is going on. Um, and yet they, uh, they, they just seem to... They just seem to hypnotise me. I mean, we were in Novak Djokovic's Serbian press conference for kind of like four. It was like thirty minutes, and uh, um, it was just it was just fascinating to hear. Um, I, I think a side of players you don't necessarily you know get from them when you're you're a fan. You just hear them speak in English, and and that's it. But to hear the native language uh, press conferences, yeah, that was uh, I thought that was quite that was a quite a a fun thread for me. Um, each day we went to the tennis. Yeah, it's so much that you said, I think, before one of the Finnish press conferences, yes. you said, right, we definitely have got to go to like yeah. Vertinen's press conference <laughs> just because you said, I love, I love the Finnish the language. Yes. The Finnish language. It, even yeah. if they sound like, even if they're like really downbeat because it's a defeat, it's the language just kind of, it just lifts it up, I swear. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a great uh, peak moment. My peak moment was probably just, you know, Yannick Sinner, getting that win over Djokovic, you know, twice in one day. I thought that was such an epic moment. One of the, I guess, most epic achievements of the year. So I think that was kind of my overall highlight. I'm really glad that we got some some great dramatic tennis on on Saturday. Um, but Joel, what about your, your pit, your, your worst <laughs> moment? I mean, it's all been good fun, hasn't it? But yeah. there must be something that was I slightly mean- frustrating. I mean the 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 the, can, the candidate for me here is uh, the GB the GB tie and how you know we didn't even manufacture a single break point uh, across the the singles and we lost rather meekly um, in the end but we ended up in the in the in the catering in in the canteen which was sort of filling out you know it was half empty and we basically watched Cam Norrie lose in a canteen um to Novak Djokovic the 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 TV was on mute um there was like I don't know it was like 11 or 12 other people in there it just felt like a really sad ending um for for GB um in the Davis Cup this year yeah that that was um a bit of a, a <laughs> whilst we were eating know, our dinner yeah it was sort of yeah it was quite late in the day wasn't it and it was just like oh there we go. Norrie's Norrie's lost. We, we've mm. lost. And what about you? I was having having sort of cold food. Um, I think the lack of churros. Um, we haven't been able to get the churros due to various reasons, mostly because Djokovic missed a backhand. Um, however, obviously my my peak <laughs> you don't sound and bitter pits, about this at all. My peak and pit all rely on that match, so I can't have it both ways, can I? Um, <laughs> and also, I guess not having Chris here with us, so mm. I think you know I, it would have been lovely for us all to be together. But yeah, mostly it's been fantastic um, and pleasant surprise, Joel. Before we before we finish, well, it's, it's got to be. I mean, it, I feel like Yannick Sinner, Novak Djokovic has been very very <laughs> frequent answer, but it was getting. Uh, another helping of of Sinner Djokovic in in the singles. I wasn't expect. I just wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, coming to the event and the spectacle that they put on in that match was was fantastic. And to me, it was almost like a. It was a bonus. It was a bonus. I was I was I was almost like too set on GB and hoping GB were going to make the semis. I actually th- forgot what the silver lining was. And to get Yannick and Novak Djokovic so soon after the you know their tussle in the the ATP you know finals in Turin uh, in the final itself and in, in the group stage, yeah, that was uh, that was a very very pleasant surprise for me. 
Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I'm going to go away from tennis for my surprise. The beautiful Christmas lights in Malaga. I walked um, into the city earlier and saw some beautiful um, on the main shopping street, like beautiful mm. lights glistening well, in the sun. Feliz so. Navidad anywhere near them. They were, but that reminds me, I need to pre-book that same Uber driver for our return <laughs> trip tomorrow. And I will put in the requests. Can you please play Feliz Navidad? Feliz Navidad yes. Or yes. maybe Robbie Williams. Oh, for yes, my, actually, can we do co-host? that better? Or maybe, can we get a Robbie Williams cover of Feliz Navidad? Now that would be, that would be something, but I don't think, I don't it think exists. it exists. So uh, uh-huh. yes. Um, but yes, we're going to, we're going to leave it there. That's it. That's your lot for our episodes live from Malaga covering the Davis Cup. Don't forget to look out for news of our crowdfund, which is going to be coming out over the next week or so. We've also got our end of season quiz which will be coming out next week. I've already got my questions together. Kim, I think you still need to put your questions together, but uh, that means I've got lots of time uh, to research uh, the season that has been. Absolutely. Well, we expect you to go out on flying colours then and beat our scores. <laughs> oh my God, so I've, I've just literally there. set myself up for a fall, haven't I? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I, oh, nightmare. Oh, well. Right. Um, yes. And we're going to obviously have content as well from the UTS Grand Final in London. So also look out for that in mid-December. But for now, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our live coverage from Malaga this week. If you have enjoyed it, remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the upcoming tennis, including the 2024 season, which is just around the corner. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and X. Our social handle is at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can also purchase Tennis Weekly merchandise at etsy.com slash shop slash tennis weekly podcast or you can email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back next week for our quiz and we will be back next week for our end of season 2023 quiz you won't want to miss it brought to you by the UTS grand final so I hope you can join us for that But in the meantime, it's adios from Kim. Adios. And it's adios from me. We'll see you again soon.